Well, the first thing you should... I don't know. Hi, I'm Milan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. I never ask you After I leave you in the morning We go our different ways To separate situations It's not that easy everyone to our big endeavor to the letter U on Billy Joel A to Z for the next two months we'll be talking about uh, let me see one two uh, forget it there's only two songs uh, I'm not sure what I was talking about <laughs> but uh, today let's kick off the U's with the song Until the Night off of Billy Joel's sixth studio album entitled 52nd Street until the Night is the eighth out of the nine songs on the 52nd Street album that appears, obviously, on the second side of the album. This is a strange song. The fact that it was actually released as a follow-up single to my life in March of 1979, but only in the UK and other countries. We've been finding that out a lot lately, Alon. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in the US for some reason. Well, maybe there's good reason. This would be a horrible follow-up. Also, <laughs> there are multiple versions of the song for individual countries. As a guess, after episodes of this podcast, let's assume that the reason it wasn't released here is because it's a whopping six minutes and 35 seconds long. By far the longest song in the album, and by my calculations, his fifth longest song of all time. Alon, it beats Scandinavian skies by 35 seconds. Didn't think it could be done. I know, right? And here's a fun fact. Until the night appears nowhere else, no live recordings, but for some God knows reason, of course it appears on the My Lives compilation album as the album version. So exhibit A, you're not getting any of these alleged other countries' versions or a demo version. And B... They've added on an extra three seconds. So WTF again with that stupid My Lives thing. It's like, hey, you hardcore fans, we gave you three extra seconds of Until the Night. <laughs> right. It, it, again, it's like that really re-release of the Close Encounters. This time we're going to see inside the spaceship. An extra seven minutes has been added on. Uh, let's go to the rankings. They There is a disparity between the two as usual. And the question is, who goes high and who goes low? And one of these people agrees completely with the fans. But we always guess Christopher Bonanno's rankings. Alan Altman, what do you think he ranks until the night out of 121 possible 
places to place a Billy Joel song. I think Bananos is the one that goes high here. And I feel like we haven't had a high Bananos song in a while. So I'm going to go pretty high and I'm going to say 28. That's fascinating. You're completely wrong, but you're completely, you guessed one off of Glenn Gamboa who puts it at 27. (laughs) Okay. You just had the wrong guy. Bananos puts it at 68. He says the precursor to an innocent man's doo-wop songs reaching for Elvis territory would have been better shorter, loses steam as the title repeats. Uh, Glenn Gamboa puts the stunning six-minute epics, everybody's talking about the time length, is drenched in Righteous Brothers-style drama as it turns survival from one night to the next into a heroic effort, meticulously sculpted with strings and horns by Joel and producer Phil Ramone. He really likes this song. And the fans rank it at 70. Very much where Christopher Bananas puts it. Alan, I don't know this song. I don't remember it. When I saw it was Until the Night, I didn't know what album it was off of. I just, this song doesn't ring a bell in my life. I really feel like I've never heard it before. And I don't know how I feel about it. When I first turned it on and I started listening, I hated I was like, is this the Billy Frog voice? What is this? Is this from Tomorrow Is Today? What? What is the opening of this song? Is he already 45 or 50? I didn't know this voice appeared this early on an album, this low voice to, I guess, get where he's going. And really, until it gets to the chorus, this song does not work for me. What are your thoughts? I think this is a hidden gem. And uh, I kind of agree with you, like the the chorus is where it picks up and it's got he has songs like this where you have like this slow verse and you're like, come on, get to the point already. This one, it's kind of like an innocent man, I guess. Right. That one also it's like it's slow. Get to the get to the big moments. This one has a lot more big moments, though, than an innocent man. So I think I like this song better than that song. I think it's great. I think it's got so many highs. It really is like a very emotionally fulfilling song for me the way that it builds into these two big choruses. And then you think, well, that's it. And then it gets slow again. And then he gets into that whole section near the end there that starts with the whole, when the sun goes down that long, I guess, bridge section that builds and builds and builds until you get Richie Kanata's sax solo, which is unbelievable. And uh, I I think he totally nailed like this whole righteous brothers, Phil Spector kind of sound in this song. And I think it's uh, one of his masterpieces. Wow. Well, Obviously, I do like the chorus a lot, but the song as a whole, I guess, doesn't work that well for me, although I do get a good feeling when they get to that, when it builds. I like its epicness. For me, I just can't. It doesn't fit on 52nd Street for me until that one part comes up, but it still doesn't fit on the album. For me, I, I have a lot of problems with this song in its in the in the in its Billy Joel canon esque uh, where it belongs in the Billy Joel world. Well, yeah, the problem is 52nd Street always gets billed as the jazz album. And like, as we've talked about, there's not a lot of jazzy songs on it. Like, it, they're great songs, but I don't know how many of those I would call jazz. And I wouldn't call this jazz, except that, like, as anything in 1978 does, it has a pretty cool sax solo. Yes, you know, it does. Which you could which you could expect to be there. But I think it does fit on the album. I think it's a great end to the album. Obviously, then he goes to 52nd Street as kind of a coda to the album. But this is like that big soaring kind of thing, sort of like Tomorrow is Today had on it. 
which was almost the end of that album. And then there was right. Then it goes to got to begin again, you said. Right. So, yeah, Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It is a good coda, like you're saying, definitely to finish off an album. It is and it's. uh, Oh, I guess epicness. The only thing I can say, I'm trying to remember my friend Steve O used to. He had a great word for some 80s hair band that uh you know really put something out kind of i think like bad english this uh band that i used to worship in the 80s with john Waite and a couple guys from journey and it was the word epic isn't correct but it's the, the every song was like this and it just every song built and i think that was their plan let's make a an album where every song is this and it builds and it builds and it just leads you to this uh you know power ballad every song's a power ballad yeah and and in a way this is an early power ballad i guess in the way it builds it's just a little better than what we consider a power ballad in its musical prowess yeah totally a power ballad right in that same wheelhouse as meatloaf who we've been talking about lately i just pointed at you when i was taking a sip of something going yes 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 excellent right just like we've been talking about meatloaf this adds up yeah you know maybe the reason why he doesn't put a song like this at the end end of the of the album is back to something that paul lauren told us which is that at the end of a vinyl record those you know the the grooves get closer together the sound quality gets worse so even though this is like the last song on the album he has to put a thing like 52nd street there just to kind of like take care of the bad grooves wow let this song get its full due god that's amazing that makes so much sense right i always forget about that what paul told us about vinyl yeah that makes a heck of a lot of sense but again it that strange second side of 52nd street which is really interesting as a term than anything else it 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 fits on that strange side no hits just all kind of eclectic mix of songs that i don't know if they fit on an album as a whole but they sure all have their own thing to them that makes them special. Yeah, it's like this whole album. Forget about calling it a jazz album. Just call it like the 1978 album because it's like just <laughs> right. different styles that were popular at this particular time. And you kind of can know which songs came from 52nd Street, even though a lot of them don't sound like they might have come from the same. Yeah, and in saying style. that, I'm thinking to myself, you put out The Stranger, so now you can really just do whatever you want. You've made it. You've made hits. Even though, yes, this album was important, he's probably feeling, I don't care. I just put out a whole side of hits. You're welcome. Now I can do whatever I want. And this is what I've decided to do. Yeah. But here's the problem for me now. And I don't know whether to ruin it for everyone else. As I've done with multiple songs, I'm thinking of what's that feels like the rain or what was that? So falling of falling Falling of the the rain. You know, where I ruin it for people and put in other songs that I hear. <laughs> Should I do that today? I was kind of hoping you would, because I was feeling like this is the kind of song that you would say, oh, that sounds just like the Sanford and Son theme or something stupid <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, it's more something else. There's two things. One is his own song later on. And one is, well, I guess I'll just play it before I say it, uh, because I can't stop thinking of it when I heard the the name of the song, too. First of all, I will say, boy, when he says it's like you've lost that loving feeling after I hear this song, I'm only singing you've lost that love loving feeling in my head. So it's I don't know whether that's bad. It's unbilly Joel, because usually I 
don't do that because Billy, when he makes his own songs based on another, I'm only thinking of his songs because he's so good at taking the thing. But this one is really all in on you've lost that loving feeling, knowing full well that's what he was going for. And he did find another way to do it. But boy, once you know it's about that, I can't get away from it. But here's a funny opening I think you might like. And I'll uh, play it for you now. (laughs) And then I'll play you the other one. Nothing. I see no reaction. <laughs> um, yeah, that, no, that's great. I love it. The night is still young. Yeah. Okay. So you get it. All right. I thought you were going to say more. Well, you know what's great about it is because this is until the night, and that's the night is still young, and they're both about one can't wait till I can make love to you. It's like that's what both songs are talking about. That's right. All right. That's Exhibit A. Now, unfortunately, now, and I don't want to ruin this for everybody, but I might. So I'm going to say spoiler alert. If you never want this song ruined for you again, because it might happen, because for me, this is all I've been singing all week in rehearsal for rehearsal or whatever, for preparing to do this song. Here we go. Wait, was that We Belong? No, it's All Through the Night by Cindy Lauper. Oh. Yeah, and so when I saw it was called Until the Night, it confused me because that's all I was thinking of. That's all I was thinking of when I thought I was thinking of All Through the Night. And then when the chorus came up, I that's all that came to me was All Through the Night, not Until the Night. This amazing Cindy Lauper song off of her first album. Oh man, it all makes sense now. Cindy Lauper completely rips off Billy Joel. Billy Joel says, Hey, I'm gonna sue the pants off of you unless you help me write a song on the bridge, because I am totally stumped. Isn't that great? I know there's a small, <laughs> there's a you know, I like that there was a connection there. And I actually thought that her song was called until the night. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where do we, you know, I got confused that it was called all through the night. And I thought it was called until the night, not drove all night, but until the night, because <laughs> she does that one too. This is your best one ever. That was a completely perfect comparison. It sounds just like this song. She definitely heard this song and just made her own version. Oh, I'm so glad you agree. I, 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 I mean, I know I'm crazy, but uh, I thought it was, when I saw your face when we were watching it, it seemed like you you were trying to figure out what it was, but it seemed like you understood that it did fit. Oh, it completely fits. Oh, this I'm is so a scandal. <laughs> well, it's not as she didn't write it. And um, this guy, Jules Shear, wrote it. So uh, and and the best is listening to this guy who wrote a couple of songs in the 80s for other people, because if you see him do this song by himself, it's sad.
<laughs> who's, going to, who's going to a Jules Shear show to hear yeah, him sing this? Some people weren't meant to perform their songs. Uh, you know, Billy could have been that guy because he's awkward looking, this guy, but he has no talent whatsoever where Billy's obviously his singing voice is ridiculous and obviously his, his uh, uh, musical skills are amazing. But, yeah, this guy... Oh God! If you see his ver or you hear his version, you'll be like this. This thank God, somebody pick. I mean, if not, it makes Cindy Lauper look like an absolute master at composing and you know yeah. uh, working things out to make them sound better. She, if you had heard what it was, you could see her being the the new Rick Rubin of our generation. <laughs> yeah, it's really impressive. Well, speaking of other people who have done songs. Uh, have you heard the Bill Medley version? The guy from the Righteous Brothers did a cover of Until the Night. No, I didn't bother because I just never liked the Righteous Brothers. So I just didn't even listen. Was it any good? <laughs> I like how you didn't listen. It's the most relevant thing to this song. I know. And you're like, funny? nah, I don't care for them. Couldn't have cared. Uh, it was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, Billy definitely does it better, which is a testament to, to Billy Joel. The thing is, Bill Medley took this six minute, 35 second song or whatever it is and cut it down to like 350 or 345. So he took out several verses, the chorus, he has like female backing singers and it sounds super dated the way he oh. sings like the I just might make it. He's like, I just might make it. Very like seventies discoy. Uh, that's interesting because now that you say it, this song doesn't sound like a seventies song at all. It's not dated at all. Well, it sounds like what it is, which is a Righteous Brothers yeah. homage. So right, it sounds right, like but, the mid sixties. Yeah, it just doesn't sound it, to me. It sounds like it, it's timeless. I, yeah, you know, I could I could listen to this at a concert. Um, why don't you tell us now? Has he? I mean, I saw one recently i guess that on michael del judas's site which is a very clear crisp version uh that they did at nassau coliseum uh was that the only time since the 80s or since he's done this or is there more and that has he ever done it at msg at the residency yeah so that that one from 2015 at nassau coliseum was the second most recent one he also did it once at msg in 2018 oh he did yeah and I think the reason is if you look in, if you listen to that 2015 one at the end of it, when Billy Joel's introducing Mike Del Judas, he sounds so out of breath. I feel like maybe the power vocals here kind of take it out of him. It's a long song to keep up oh, that's with all his lyrics. But overall, he has played this song 61 times, which makes it the 53rd most played song. But since 1982, only nine times. Right. So he played it pretty much while he was promoting the album 52nd street which why wouldn't he and again with your statistics i don't know if that's worldwide or u.s if apparently this was released as a single to follow my life then he would have to play it at least other countries yeah so those numbers are for all countries and it wasn't just on the tour supporting 52nd street because he played it pretty much all throughout the 82 tour as well there's some good recordings that exist from the very first times he played this. So the album 52nd Street came out in the middle of October 1978. 
And he played a few shows in late September, early October, where the audience had never heard this song at all because the album hadn't come out yet. Mm. Uh, one of the best ones is in Boston Garden, which is either the first or second time he's played this. It's from September you, 30th, 78. You heard it? Yeah, it exists. So on YouTube, the bo- the bootleg is there. It's a good recording. It sounds The quality is good. It's really cool to listen to because he debuts probably yeah. half of the 52nd Street album, which is awesome to hear. That's cool. Oh, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, yeah so like at the beginning... Than- like when he's when he's interviewing like Big Shot, he's like, "Here's a song I wrote about hangovers," and like, "Wow!" And and for this one, he says, "This is a new song that's dedicated to the Righteous Brothers." That makes sense. And what I like is before he says that, so after the song before, which I think was the Entertainer, he goes, "You ever see those guys? They wipe themselves off and then they throw it into the audience. I wouldn't touch one of those things." <laughs> <laughs> just, just a classic yeah, but- Billy riff. You see those guys that they, 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 they wipe themselves off and then they throw it into the audience. I wouldn't touch one of those things. Yeah, this is a this is another new song. This is um, dedicated to the Righteous Brothers. This is called Until the Night. so much this song but like a big shot i remember this uh radio guy who i think i listen to now was talking about how the who the first time they bought a, did tommy i think it was at this isle of man show and they're like oh we're gonna try something new and you know it's just it's funny when you realize what it becomes and the kind of the phenomenon whether a song or or an album comes and they're and you're just hearing it for the first time something that's become a going to become a staple it's it's exciting you probably yeah, don't you, maybe you might not even be getting it when it's happening and then but i i can't even imagine hearing big shot for the oh, this is new and then hearing it I, I i think i'd be like oh my god i got i gotta hear that again 
When does that album come out? Right. I would totally be like, that's awesome. Because Big Shot's the kind of song that you're like, this rocks. This is awesome. I feel like a song like this, maybe you'd be like, this sounds familiar. What is this? Yeah, right. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Right, right. It does. Uh, Meanwhile, so, okay. So what we found is that this song is apparently a song like you, I think you said, it's it's an us against the world song, right? And it's about the fact, I think that the night is closing down. It is kind of like the night is still young. So it is good that there is a connection there, but it's like the everybody's going home and and closing down, and the workers are going off, and he is just going to, again, make love to you. <laughs> That's the plan for the night. He's just he's got something else on his mind, and it's 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 her or whoever this person is supposed to be. While everything else is closing it down, he and his love are going to open it up. What's up? Yeah, I think that's one of the lines, right? Oh, yeah. When the sun goes down and the day is over, when the last of the light has gone as they pour into the street, I will be getting closer, getting closer, foreshadowing, as the cars turn their headlights on, as they're closing it down, I'm going to open it up, yo. Why did he say yo? (laughs) Reading alert. (laughs) And while they're going to sleep, we'll just be starting to touch. I'm just beginning to feel. I'm just beginning to give. I'm just beginning to feel. I'm just beginning to live. Before I leave you again, before the light of dawn, before this evening can end, I've been waiting so long. That's pretty good. Yeah. And that whole moment, it's building in a way, you know, it's like a climax. And this is a song about finally getting to sleep with this lady after having to work all day. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that is what musicians do when they cover it up. And yet this one's pretty obvious. So, (laughs) yeah. at, at that point in the song, after the lyrics you just read, that's when the sax solo comes in. And, you know, you never know with these sax solos, if it's the kind of thing where the artist is like, okay, so Richie Kanata, just give me a sax solo here in the key of whatever. And the guy just does it himself. But in this case, because we have the demo version, did you hear the demo? I did. So in the demo, there's no sax on it, just Billy and drums. You know, so Billy's on this piano, which is cool because it sounds kind of like those early 70s Billy Joel demos that we like in a way. It has like an old early Billy Joel sound. But at the very end of the song, he vocalizes a melody that is pretty much on target with what the sax solo ended up becoming. So in this case, it does seem like Billy Joel basically created the solo himself and then just had Richie play it. Oh, that's in, I guess I never got to that part because I was listening to the demo and I'm just like, oh, it sounds just like the original. So there's not that big a deal. And I didn't get to that part. And now I want to hear that part because that's fascinating. And why isn't that on the My Lives album then? Right. That's a great question. And I was with you also. I was like, why is this demo so long? Because it's like over seven minutes long and it cut out the solo. And I was like, well, how could this be longer? But what happens is Billy goes back and like redoes one of the verses, then goes back to more until the nights. And then he starts harmonizing this, what eventually became the sax solo at the end of that. 
again, just overall, I'm surprised it ends up on this album. I think if I was Phil Ramone, I'm like, are you sure? Just doesn't sound like the rest of the album. Yeah, but then again, the album's only nine songs. So this is another case of Billy Joel not having enough material, probably. So here's a six and a half minute song. Yes, that's got to go on this damn album. He he really is lazy. (laughs) (laughs) When you helicopter in and you don't do any preparation before, it's pretty lazy. That's 50, 60 years of laziness. (laughs) And besides, he's such a good musician. It's not like he has to practice. You know, it's just he he just uh, appreciates his gift. And he's like, eh. I'll do the least amount of stuff I got to do. (laughs) And yet it just turns out to be magic. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? I have one. It's not worded very well, but it is about what we were talking about, this Jewel Shear character. So as he was the writer of Cyndi Lauper's All Through the Night, he then wrote... If she knew what she wants for the Bengals, and in fact, he was so close to the Bengals, I think, or they just appreciated the fact that he wrote them a hit song. They back him up singing either this song or another song on American Bandstand. And we're just like, it's like, it, it's this guy, Jules, she's being backed up by the Bengals and everybody's clapping for the Bengals. And he's like, no, 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 don't clap for them. They're just <laughs> doing them a favor. It's really <laughs> messed up. It's like, it's like, dude, shut up. Don't say that. That's rude. You know, but, but everybody, because the Bengals were in all their glory at that time. Right. And so that's Susanna Hobbs is the greatest anyway. So it turns out then Cindy Lauper co-wrote a song for Susanna Hoff's solo album called Unconditional Love. And we all know the Billy Joel and Cindy Lauper connection. So in 1967, Bill Ramone produced The Look of Love legendary look of love song for the awful james bond casino royale version the 67 version the one i hate more than anything you know what i'm talking about right with like david niven and Woody yeah Allen. i haven't seen that original version of the movie. and there's no reason to say it but you know the song the look of love in yes. 1997 30 exactly 30 years later Susanna hoffs did a cover of the song for what extremely popular movie franchise <laughs> austin powers that is Exactly correct. <laughs> she was married yeah. to the director. Who is Roach, Jay Roach. Jay Roach, that's right. So she does a song on that. And then I think she does uh, a song on the third one. She might do a song on all three. I don't. I know she does one on the second or third. And can that guy be the smartest guy? Well, I'll just have my wife do a song. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yes, just like how on 30 Rock, uh, Tina Fey had her husband compose the theme song. Uh, as a gag, because her husband is an idiot, right? <laughs> well, he's getting a lot of money for that theme song, so it all worked out. <laughs> oh, 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 in real life. In real life, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of, I think her ex-husband was on the show once, and he did something, and he just yelled out, Baba Booey, so I thought he was an idiot. Baba Booey. So, oh, I love I, that guy. Yeah, Dennis is the character. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I thought you meant. No, that is brilliant. Of course, why not? They played. The, I believe they played her cover at the end of the movie while the credits are going. That sounds right. Yeah. I had the soundtrack to the second Austin Powers, and it came with a cool poster that had a gigantic, what's her name? Uh, Heather, Heather Graham. Graham. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Oh, boy, was she something else. She's still really pretty. I, you know, hung out with her a couple of times. I couldn't even talk to her. I was like Raj from the Big Bang Theory. Couldn't say a word in front of her. Uh-huh. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it. 
Who are the ladies? You've seen them here before. That's why they look familiar. These are the Bengals. This is not their day. No, 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 no. No applause for the Bengals. It's not their day. They're just doing a favor. More about that later. It's very nice of them to step in and, and provide the background because uh, it's a friend they're working with. This man is highly regarded uh, critically and by people in the business, and he, uh, he wrote all through the night for Cindy Lauper. She and he wrote the song he's about to sing. And this is going to be his year. Ladies and gentlemen, Jewel Shear. have a trivia question for me i have a trivia question for you and then a bonus fact to add after the fact love it so my trivia question is the song you've lost that love and feeling had the distinction of being the most played song on american radio and tv until it was overtaken in 2019 by what police song by what police song in 2019 you mean it had a resurgence the police song no, just that over time, cumulatively, another song ended up being played more than this song. Is it Every its... Breath You Take? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're saying that song is still played by people? It still holds up? I mean, it just seemed like it was so, well, of course, it's a different generator. It was so overplayed in 1983 that I thought maybe people were just done with it. Because, you know, it was the, it got its accolades as the greatest song of that year. And that that was Michael Jackson's thriller year. So you would assume... That would be the end of it. But how do you like that? It holds up. It's like Mariah yeah. Carey's uh, Christmas song. Basically, it's like this consistency it gets played in all the, you know, whether it's classic rock or classic hits or adult hits, all these different radio formats play it. It gets used in TV shows a lot. So all right. of that gets added into the formula. Yeah, no, it definitely has been used on TV shows and movies. Yeah. Now, my bonus fact is that You've Lost That Love and Feeling was actually a very long song for its time period. It was three minutes and 45 seconds, which is longer than most radio stations would play a song for, right? So what Phil Spector did is he had 305 printed on the label to trick DJs. Is that right? Yeah. So they've been doing that 305 bit for a long time. Yeah, so he did that 305 bit, and he also had like a false ending in the song. So if the DJs were looking at the grooves, I guess they would think, oh, okay, the song is not that long, and they would play it, and then it would just keep going. Boy, how do you like that? That guy had it all figured out. No yeah, too bad Billy... he murdered somebody. Yeah, too bad. No wonder Billy Joe loved him, though, for before that stuff, because, yeah, he figured out the 305, the sneaky ways to get around the company, and you know how Billy hated the industry, so makes a lot of sense. Well, Alon, it is time to uh, the the weird Alon parody today, which I, I are you going to do it like? The, well, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to go baritone. I don't. Oh, you're not going to? I never know until I start singing, honestly, because I don't understand what keys are or anything like that. So who knows? Who knows? Right. Well, what do you got for us today? 
All right, so my song today is called Delay the Flight. Well, I'll give him another 20 minutes, but that's it. <laughs> okay, that's relevant. Is it? Well, oh, today's, yeah, picture yeah. Southwest or something. Oh, yes. <laughs> I hope Southwest is mentioned. No, it's not. Let me rewrite no. really fast. It's not politically relevant. No, it's just a general, a general song about flight problems. I never know which way to go. When I am driving to the airport, I took the BQE and now I'm stuck in traffic. And my plane leaves half past four. Security line is so long. I'm asking to cut total strangers. But now the TSA has flagged my carry-on bag. They say my liquids are too large. Delay the flight, delay the flight, oh, or I won't make it. Delay the flight, delay the flight. I want to see Japan. Hey now. Well, you know, it's uh, it's just like the song for me. I enjoyed the chorus immensely and the the setup to it. It just did not work for me. I had no idea what you were doing, what you were saying, and I don't know the melody and that'll never be in my head. OK, well, that's fine. <laughs> but the chorus was great. And it, it still is good. Your lyrics were good. And I do like the chorus of this actual song. It is very entertaining, but the the setup is just not working for me at all. Sorry, everybody. I think that was one of those where I, I started out in too high of a key. And I was like, well, this is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> just go with it. Well, it's still amazing. I, again, I don't I wouldn't be able to do this because I, I still I can't picture the melody in my head of the verses of the yeah the verses. His songs are tricky. And now all I want to say is delay my flight. <laughs> delay my, uh, delaying my flight to Japan. <laughs> we may be late. We may. I, I can only think of a Cindy Lauper song now. It's driving me crazy. And I hope I didn't mess up everybody else's day. <laughs> Damn it. Chutsko, you've done it again. Well, yeah, I think you have now ruined the song for everybody, but. It's okay. It's a pretty good Cindy Lauper song, too. So it's not like you were like, oh, it sounds just like, and then named the worst. Right. Song I, I didn't make everybody listen to the Banachek theme from uh, the 1970 George Prepard crime drama. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, oh, I also did say spoiler alert before we played it. So, right. So some people could have hit the skip 15 second button a few times. That's, to that's get right. Of that. You know what Until the Night reminds me of? Chumbawamba. <laughs> I get knocked down, but I get up again until the night. Until the <laughs> night, I just might make it. Until the uh, it only works for the first line, right? Well, folks, that was until the night. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Are you excited that we're finally doing a new letter? 
Yeah. Do you only like the choruses of the song or do you like the whole thing? Did Dave ruin the song by comparing it to that Cindy Lauper one? Probably. Yeah. And are you getting grossed out by Billy singing about all the sex he's having? <laughs> Jealous, maybe. Not that grossed out. <laughs> Until the night, I'm Alon Altman. Nice. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Yeah.